Hey folks, Abel here, and in this little bonus episode, I'd like to provide you with something special or kind of special, and that is um, the review of the training frequency debate between Menno Henselmans and Mike Isretel in audio form. Uh, this video has been available on YouTube in video format, obviously, for a long time. Uh, it's been one of my more popular videos, I would say, and I thought, why not make it available in audio form as well, since many of you will want to listen to these kinds of things on the go. So uh, before I play the audio on the actual debate review itself, I'd like to share a couple of thoughts on the matter of training frequency, which I had gathered over the course of this past year that has gone by since the debate has taken place and I made my video on it. Um, so the first thing that's good to mention is that I think there is relatively little debate at this time over the idea that volume is one of the key drivers for hypertrophy and distributing your training volume over the course of the week in multiple sessions is a good way to ensure that you're able to hit this amount of volume. Uh, I think this is especially so the case with body parts that will inherently have exercises associated with them that will induce a lot of cardiovascular fatigue and just overall bodily discomfort, if you will, uh, which will make them inherently prone to not being worked hard at uh, at a sufficient level if you do too much of them in a single session, which for the most part pretty much means um, lack training. <laughs> so if you're a pretty advanced lifter and do say 18 sets of quad work or hamstring work, and you're trying to distribute that over two sessions, which is something that maybe Mike Isretel would recommend, I mean, if you're not human, like Mike, then you might be able to do four sets of heavy squats followed by five sets of leg presses in a single session and then do something similar in a few, a few days later and not hit your sessions because of this badly enough so that you can only keep this up for, say, two weeks. However, if you are human, this kind of training style might kind of chew you up and spit you out at the other end fast. Not necessarily physically, as you know, the human body is incredible and can adapt to a ton of stress over time, but more so mentally. And you know, you might be better off doing something that Menno would recommend, which is maybe three sets of squats on one day and then two sets of split squats the next day and then maybe three sets of leg extensions the day after or on the same day that you're doing the split squats and then repeat this two-day cycle twice a week so that you end up training your quads, you know, four or maybe six days a week. But on any given day, you're only performing a moderate amount of work. You know, with other body parts and especially exercises, you know, such as arms or shoulders, you might be just fine by doing nine or 10 sets of work in a given day, even if it's not optimal, because I do think that especially with those body parts, you could benefit from spreading them out over, the, over a lot more than just two sessions a week but they just don't beat you up all that much and they don't induce a lot of cardiovascular fatigue. And especially guys uh, will just have a lot of fun doing these exercises until you know they're blue in the face, right? I mean, if you're doing a crazy long arm session, for example, and you do barbell bicep curls and then hammer curls and then cable curls, yeah, you might argue that you'd be better off sp spreading those maybe 10 sets over two sessions, but physically and mentally, it won't be that crazy tough on your body. I mean, it's a small muscle group. It doesn't involve a lot of other muscle groups like, like a squat would, for example. Plus, you're getting an awesome pump while you're doing it. So the whole process is a lot more mentally gratifying besides being physically much more tolerable. 
It's also worth mentioning that there is no doubt that there are a ton of guys who have built fantastic physiques doing less frequent training than what many would recommend to advanced lifters with his four, five, or six-day frequencies per muscle group. And there are even fantastic physiques having been built with bro splits where you're hitting a muscle group only once a week. But I also think that there's absolutely no doubt that for some people, upping their training frequencies considerably has been a big game changer. And to me, the moral of the story here is two things. For one, if you have great genetics, you will build a good-looking physique fast, almost <laughs> irrespectively of what you're doing. And if you have less good genetics, then fine-tuning some of these training parameters will make a bigger difference for you. And if you have really shitty genetics, then fine-tuning something that for another person might be almost an irrelevant parameter might actually be the catalyst that will allow you to make progress as opposed to not make progress at all. Another thing which they didn't touch on in this debate, even though I think it could have been interesting to go into, is that different muscle groups might benefit from different training frequencies. So, you know, maybe something like the biceps, calves, and arms might benefit from being trained pretty much every day, while something like the hamstrings, which incurs a ton of damage and just stretch under load during heavy hip hinge movements and the like, might be better off being trained less frequently, maybe two or so times a week at most. And lastly, uh, one thing that I'd like to add on the aspects related to connective tissue health management, which I touched on in the audio I'll play to you shortly, but just some additional thoughts here. And that is, I found over time that if you have weak connective tissue that is prone to injury, then there's just some benefit to not hitting certain body parts or even certain areas of your body too frequently. So for example, I have shitty elbows, shitty knees. Actually, I think in the upcoming audio, I'll say that those body parts are not particularly sensitive. Well, over this past year, I came to find out that they are indeed quite sensitive. So if you have this kind of a problem, then just simply exposing those areas of your body to heavy training stress too frequently might be an aggravator in and of itself. And again, I'm not even talking about muscle groups per se, but simply as broad of a term as the upper body. So... You know, I tried daily training in which I trained a lot of my upper body muscles, for example, very frequently, and I found that my shoulders and elbows just got incrementally more pissed off. But I also tried just training my upper body, but not the same muscle groups very frequently. So maybe I would do my pushing musculature on one day and more of my pulling musculature on another, on another day, where I trained in different planes of movement in different days, and I still found that my shoulders and elbows have gotten incrementally more pissed. And if you think about it, this is not a huge surprise because if you're doing pushing movements, they will involve your elbows and shoulders. If you're doing pulling movements, they will also involve your elbows and shoulders. If you do these movements in a vertical plane, those will involve your elbows and shoulders too. And if you're doing them in a horizontal plane, those will involve your elbows and shoulders too. So if you have body parts and certain joints that are just prone to being flared up, then you simply might benefit from having dedicated days where you're just giving those areas a full rest. So um, guys, that would be my additional thoughts on the matter. There's always more to say, of course, but I think this was a good general intro. And with that, let's get into the actual audio. And in this short video or not so short video, I would like to basically briefly summarize what happened in that debate, how it went, what kind of arguments and, and points were presented by each speakers, and lastly, I would like to give my own two cents on the topic and kind of present who I think kind of was the more convincing, at least for me, 
from the two of them and how I concluded based on this debate. So <clears throat> first of all, structure of the debate. The two guys went up first separately and presented their own views on training frequency. So Mike went up first. He briefly presented his stance on training volume, you know, MRV, MAV, these kinds of things. He had a, a presentation on that the previous day, so it wasn't a very long segment. And after that, he summarized his views on training frequency specifically. So to really summarize it, his views are that most people should train each muscle group between two to four times per week. And essentially, the more advanced you are, meaning the closer you are to your genetic limits, the bigger you are, the stronger you are, the more muscular you are, the more careful you have to be with overloading your training too frequently, simply because you are basically just strong enough to really hurt yourself. So in his opinion, someone who is just a beginner is not very strong, not very muscular, can basically mess their shit up every day if they want to because they just don't induce a lot of damage and they just don't handle big enough absolute loads to really cause some serious trouble for themselves but someone who i don't know squats 200 plus kilos or or benches 200 kilos especially has to be really careful doing these kinds of things too frequently so two to four times a week is basically his view the menu went up and outlined his view. And first, he presented a number of muscle protein synthesis studies where it's been shown that in very advanced trainees, muscle protein synthesis, so basically the time in which muscle is being built, to put it very kind of bluntly, can be back to baseline in, in as short of a time as like six hours, I think. In other studies, it was more like 20 hours. So based on this and other factors, his in his opinion, you should hit each muscle group exactly at the time when... Um, muscle protein synthesis is no longer elevated or at least not no longer elevated significantly. So someone who is a beginner, their muscle, muscle protein synthesis is still going on after like 72 hours, so like three days. So for that kind of individual, even one session per week uh, can suffice per muscle group. But for very advanced individuals whose muscle building rates basically are back to baseline very shortly, they will benefit from training every muscle group every day even. Uh, he presented some other theoretical and empirical evidence. So <clears throat> he outlined how uh, high training frequency presents higher quality workouts because, for example, if you have a chest workout and you do bench and then push-ups and then flies, by the time you get to the flies, your workout quality will be just not very high. He also presented stuff on recovery. So um, High training frequency is a good active recovery for your joints. Your sleep quality increases, so you recover better. Also, some uh, mechanistic research that showed that more trained muscles have more blood vessels, uh, more myonuclei, so they, their recovery capacity increases over time as they become more trained. And basically, on recovery, well, I'm going to touch on recovery in a second. He also um, listed some training studies in which different training frequencies, volume equated, tra uh, different training frequencies were compared. And for example, a uh, nine sessions a week uh, protocol outperformed the three day a week protocol. Also presented, of course, the now famous, still not published, but famous Norwegian Frequency Project, where six sessions a week with the same volume did much better than the three-day-a-week uh, protocol. And uh, what else was there? I think that was largely it. So in short, his views are that the more advanced you become, the more frequently you should train each muscle group. So his most advanced clients and himself even trains every single muscle group every single day, seven times a week. So 
now came basically round two, where the actual debate began. The first thing you should know is that this debate was not just on training frequency per se, but more specifically, whether more advanced people will benefit from more frequent training. The two main points of contention uh, were basically, for one, recovery. So in my views, um, very frequent training has some specific characteristics to it that make it inherently more dangerous than less frequent training. And the other thing was per session volume. So in Mike's views, um, you need, as you become more advanced, you need a certain amount of, as he calls it, homeostatic disruption in any given session to really induce growth. And if you train very frequently, um, even even if your weekly volume will be the same, your per session volume for any given body part will be obviously smaller. Um, so let's touch on the recovery point first. So Mike said that fatigue is accumulating in various systems in the body, in your joints, tendons, connective tissue as a whole, in your hormonal profiles, so testosterone to cortisol ratio, in your nervous system. And if you never take a significant amount of break during the week from overloading your muscles, then uh, this fatigue accumulates to the point where all of a sudden you suffer an injury, uh, even if your performance is continuing to go up. And Menno's opposing view to this was basically that for joints, performance is a very good proxy because of the studies he listed and that in the literature there's just no real evidence that muscle recovery and joint recovery are very separate things so for example and all the same thing applies in his view to the nervous system so peripheral nervous system is a side specific process or a very local process so for example in your chest if you are stronger from one session to the next that is a very good proxy for overall recovery so that should indicate to you that the adaptation process is complete, you have recovered. And as far as central nervous system, according to Menno, that's very dubious from the research that that even exists. So he would contest the idea whether, for example, benching heavy on one day will impact your ability to deadlift heavy the next day. Um, Mike said that while this might be contentious in the literature. Anecdotally, any high-level athlete can tell you that doing heavy lifting on one day will impact your ability to lift heavy on the next day, even if it's a different movement pattern. Uh, as far as connective tissue um, issues, one thing that quickly got cleared out is that Menno is not advocating squatting every day or benching every day, that it's a carefully designed rotation of exercises and intensities and training loads so that your recovery is managed and the high training volumes are accommodated, basically. So that is, I'm only saying this because one concern of Mike was overuse injuries, and he did admit that rotating exercises and intensities carefully will greatly mitigate the risk of you uh, suffering connective tissue damage, but he said that it will still not save you in his opinion. And that was big disagreement because Menno said that if you vary training loads and intensities across different days, then you're basically always inducing a little bit of a different type of fatigue in your muscles and in your tendons. And that is probably sufficient to to eliminate great risk of connective, connective tissue damage. However, one thing that I found interesting here is that Menno himself said at one point that his experience is exactly the same, that you can accumulate damage in your connective tissues and, and tendons without you realizing it, even though your performance is still going up and all of a sudden you become injured. Which, uh, and, and he actually also said that um, 
you may get to the point where your muscles may still benefit from higher training frequency, but your joints can't take it anymore. Um, which for me is like, you can't really separate the two. I mean, the two, that's kind of the story of training in general. You want to do a lot of cool shit with your muscles, but your tendons are limiting you. I wouldn't say any one of them was more convincing, but there was actually a round two of this entire debate where Birger Fagerli and Brett Schoenfeld went up. And Birger Fagerli, who is actually the person who, as far as I know, introduced Menno to the whole high training frequency concept, said that there is this sweet spot where experience meets science. And he had clients who greatly benefited from daily training. But he had also other clients who simply could not take more training frequency than three times a week even with intensity and volume and lifestyle factors being managed because their connective tissue health and maybe just overall body protein turnover could just not handle that high training frequency. And if I may just give my own two cents on this, that is exactly my experience. My connective tissue is just not very well put together for strength training, unfortunately. And I found that no matter how I tinker with things, I just cannot take more than three times a week for, my, for any given body part in general. Now, I have more body parts that are more susceptible to injury than others, but even things like my elbows or knees that are not particularly sensitive, if I train them consistently more frequently than three times a week, I just get to that point where I feel like I'm permanently pushing against the limits of something popping. And many times I had to uh, drop loads and, and regress back in weight because I was just feeling like I am just going to get injured if I can continue this on Romanian deadlifts, for example. So um, that was an interesting thing. Also, from the central nervous system fatigue perspective, Mike said that uh, what we think of as central nervous system fatigue may be just chronic sympathetic overdrive, which, which may affect things like your appetite and your immune system and stress levels. And that is, again, one, one thing that I experienced firsthand. Uh, at one point, actually, my performance has never been that good. I was hitting PRs in the gym all the time. Uh, I was gaining strength like crazy. My performance was going up. So according to Menno's views, that should indicate that my recovery was complete. But I was com always feeling beat down. My, I was getting sick all the time, which normally doesn't happen. I couldn't sleep well. Uh, my stress levels were through the roof. And probably I was um, just adapting to a very high training stimulus, but my strength was going up. So in theory, my recovery should have been complete. But I was just feeling beat down and I kept pushing and I got injured badly. Now, one last thing I have, I have to say on this is that one reason why high-frequency training might be problematic here is because it's just so efficient and effective in gaining strength and overloading your workout. I mean, every, anybody trying high-frequency training will find that you gain strength very, very quickly. And I think for guys whose connective tissue is just not, not that of a god, um, you may get into trouble just because you're basically gaining strength almost too fast for your own good. Um, now... This may sound very bro sciencey, but I think that's exactly what happened in my case. So it might be the case that when you're uh, condensing your workout volume for any given body part in one given or fewer sessions, the fact that you're too weak by the end of those workouts to really hurt yourself may be what actually saves you. So that's one thing to consider. I'm not sure. Next point, uh, per session volume. So again, in Mike's views, when you get very advanced, your muscles and your entire body is just so resistant to making gains that you really have to mess your, mess your shit up in any given vol uh, workout to really force your body basically to adapt and get bigger and stronger, more muscular. 
And Mano said that he's not actually convinced that there is such a thing as a minimum threshold of volume that you need to hit in any given workout. Now, one thing that was very interesting here is that Mano actually said that, well, I do agree that one set per muscle group might not cut it at the advanced level, that you can g gain good strength, but for muscle gro growth, it's just, it's just not going to cut it, which, well, then you kind of admit that there is such a thing as a minimum threshold of volume. It's just happens to be like a different number that the boat that the two people swear by so in Menno's view it's probably two or three sets per muscle group per workout that is the minimum and Mike would say it's more like 10 sets maybe I'm not sure exactly what number he would recommend and Menno actually said that for example if you do push-ups uh, when you're on vacation you will greatly slow down the atrophy and in a dose response kind of relationship if you do even more push-ups now you get into a muscle maintenance mode and if, if you do even more push-ups now you're gaining muscle and Mike said to Menno that, well, but then you, there is a minimum threshold. You just said it. I mean, slowing down atrophy with a certain amount of volume is not the same as inducing growth. So there is your minimum threshold. So I would say here, Mike's view was a bit more convincing. Again, it's kind of a matter of um, numbers rather than principle that they disagreed on. One thing that they haven't really debated on, even though Mike addressed this point number, a number of times, and even Brett Schoenfeld addressed this point to Menno, and Menno never really responded to it, was satellite cell activation or satellite cell proliferation, which may be induced by higher per volume, higher per session volumes and more muscle damaging, more, as Mike calls it, homeostatically disruptive training protocols. Uh, Menno never really responded to it. I actually got to ask him in one of the breaks what he thinks of this whole satellite cell stuff. And he said that it's just so theoretical at this point that he just doesn't think it's worth um, designing your train protocol so that gets addressed. One thing that was kind of very just intellectually interesting, I think, was when they touched on anecdotes. So I've heard Mike saying this numerous times in podcasts and, and shit like that, that um, when most of the biggest people on the planet have done some things very similarly, and one of those things is relatively low training frequencies, then it might worth considering why they had done that. Menno's response to this was um, that you should always challenge convention. People used to say that the world was round. In fitness, people used to reject high-protein diets. We used to do a lot of things that now we believed to be suboptimal. And he also said that he has no problem with anecdotes, but he just doesn't like to bring them up in training because his anecdote, which he finds very powerful, that he used to say the same exact thing as Mike did, that there is such a thing as a per session volume that has to be large enough for advanced individuals. You need more recovery between sessions for more advanced people. But when his results and his client results took off was when he changed his views on this and he started using higher training frequencies. And he said, I can say it, but you can't oppose it because it's a non-falsifiable statement because you don't know my client results. So I thought that was a very classy comeback. So if I had to conclude on this debate, if I was to structure my own training based on this debate, then I would say train each muscle group three times a week and see how your body responds. And if your recovery is spot on, and if you want to experiment with things in the hopes of making even better gains, then try to up it to four times a week and do that for a while. And this, this is something, again, that Mike touched on, that you should implement changes very gradually because all of us have done this, right? We change five or six times right away or we make drastic changes and we have no idea what actually produced the change. So if you train every muscle group two, two times a week now, then go up to three times a week and do that for a while and then go up to four times a week. Um, he 
was cautioning people against jumping from, let's say, three times a week to seven times a week. And this is, again, a good thing to touch on is that it became clear that their recommendations for different training frequencies were more of a question of their overall science philosophies rather than um, just seeing completely different types of literature. I mean, there was no point during the debate where I was like, damn, this guy really got the other one with this point. Like, this guy has no idea about that part of the literature. I think both of them largely have seen the same literature and their interpretation was different, which again is largely down to their philosophies. So Mike is, I guess, more on the conservative side. He uh, cautions people more and he values tradition a little bit more. And Menno, his entire philosophy is predicated on the fact that there is not a large amount of good research in resistance training. And we have to use the amount of available data that we have to make a kind of educated and science-based leap, leaps of faith, quote-unquote. And Bayesian bodybuilding basically means forming rational belief based on the available data and doing cost-benefit analyses. So Menno did admit that there is not a lot of research between four to seven per week training frequencies, that most of the data that we have is up to maybe three, four. Um, but he made the analysis, he made the cost-benefit analysis. The benefit is that you may get more jacked, which is what we all want. And the downsides, based on the, the, his interpretation of the, the literature, there just isn't big of a downside to be really afraid of. So he recommends higher training frequencies. So really, I think try three times a week and then up it to four if you want to. Do that for one or two months, up it to five, do that for one or two months and see how you respond. So all in all, awesome, awesome experience to see this debate. was really fascinating to see these guys um, debate each other. And of course, they have been very respectful to each other. And um, it seemed like they got along really well, actually, during the whole debate. And I, I think even they even said that now they see each other as, as friends, even though this was the first time they met each other. So really cool experience. Um, that's my overall conclusion. Uh, hope you found this informative. And yeah. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please leave a comment and subscribe if you watch this on YouTube. If you listen to this on iTunes, please leave a rating to help this stuff grow. SoundCloud and Podbeam, you can just follow me to be notified on future episodes. And to be a contributing member of this podcast, join the Sustainable Self-Development Facebook group where you can drop ideas about future podcasts. I very often ask my listeners for tips and advice on who to get on next. So if you're interested in getting into discussions like that, be sure to join the Facebook group. And if you don't want to go through the searching process, just click one of those links in the show notes slash video description. It is all there. All right. Thanks for hanging around up until now and see you next time.